You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by The Hartford. Welcome back to another episode of Small Biz Ahead, the small business podcast presented by The Hartford. This is John Adaconis, and I am joined in person for the first time, I think, I know. in over a year I know. Uh, by Gene Marks. Actually, so. this is not over a year, John. I mean, it's been like a couple of years. It's, I mean, yeah. right? We've been doing all these online and using all these online things, and now we're like actually looking at each other. That is progress. You could say the first time this decade, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close to that. Anyway, I am so excited and thrilled to be back and actually doing this face-to-face. This awesome. is really good. It is worth the three-hour drive from Philly. You know, it's not. It's hard to do the remote thing. So I think we I got agree. pretty good at it, but you're, you're constantly, or at least I find I'm stepping on someone. I don't Agreed. know what to say. I can't see when they want to say something. It's hard. Yeah. And it's funny, and I know we're going to get way off topic on this, but I, I talk to people that do these things like remotely and they have the same challenges is because you don't know when to jump in when somebody else is talking. I don't want to interrupt you if you're about to. Now we're looking at each other. So you can give me the evil eye if I'm stepping over with something that you want to say or whatever. So it's good. I'm really glad we're back together. I always welcome an opportunity to glare, you know. (laughs) Um, But we're here today. We we wanted to to recap. So I think this episode and a couple of the ones you'll hear if you're listening uh, over the next few weeks are really going to be about some evergreen topics where maybe you know, advice, rationale, experience over the past couple of years have changed, right? right. So we've seen crazy amount of, of change in the world, you know, uh, dealing with a pandemic to thinking about how to work virtually to uh, inflation at, at rates that we haven't seen in a while. So I wanted to hit on some of those things today. And, and we'll start with the fun one, which is really about how to think about inflation, how to price your goods and services during inflationary times. So I'm going to let Gene start off on this and really kind of get his perspective as the, yeah. the person who's way more qualified than me to talk about finance on, um, you know, what impact does that even have on, on pricing and, and should it, you know, yeah. when you're thinking about kind of the rate of inflation like we see? All I can do is tell you what I'm seeing my clients do, you know, this year and, and actually for the past two years. So um, everybody's like raising prices. That's like, you know, that obviously we're in, and by the way, like, I mean, for like 10 years before that, people weren't able to raise prices because there was really no inflation. So I know this sounds bad, but like some clients were like, Yay, you know, we can finally get some prices up and, you know, hopefully do stuff. But we have a bunch of strategies to talk about in this in this episode. One of them that I've seen is is this. Um, we have something available to us, John, as business owners, my clients do. Our parents and grandparents did not have back in the late 70s and early 80s when they were grappling with inflation. And um, and that's data. So I'm I'm seeing if you're looking to raise prices and you're just going to do like this across the board price increase, stop and don't do that. It's not only is it lazy, but it's wrong. Um, What I'm seeing my smartest clients doing is they are looking at their data and they are targeting price increases. They are doing it based on margins. They're doing it based on product lines. They're doing it based on customers. They're doing it. I have some clients that are like, um, you know, this is a great customer of ours. Our margins are still strong. We're we're actually not going to raise prices on this customer. Look at this person's sales history that we have, you know, so we're going to leave them alone. Meanwhile, this other person, we haven't been making as much money with that, you know, with with that customer. And, uh, you know, we are going to have to raise price, but for this customer, we're going to give them a 4% increase versus a 3% somewhere else, you know? So, you know, they're, they're, I mean, listen, my clients have QuickBooks, they've got Sage, they've got Zero, they've got accounting systems all in place, and they are digging into the data and they are selectively doing 
price increases depending on a bunch of different factors. So I, that's what I'm learning. That's what I'm seeing out there. And and not that I remember anything from the late 70s, or early 80s because I was a kid, but I know that businesses back then, small businesses didn't have that kind of information available to them. So that's my first piece of advice. Does that make sense? It does. And I think, you know, when you think about raising prices in general, to me, it comes down to you need more profit to sustain, right? You need yep. more cash flow. I think there's other places people can look for that too, right? So when you're thinking about what you sell, and more importantly, I think how you communicate what you sell, there's a lot of things you can do to kind of make things that are more profitable seem more appealing. So, um, you know, in true form, we could do a restaurant example, right? Like yep. your menu design, if something's on the top right corner, it's usually more likely to get attention. So do you want the 20 bucks for a steak that costs you 18 to sell, or do you want the $10 for a pizza that costs you $3 to sell? Sure. So you can also build in ways, I think, to kind of normalize that without having to jump prices to a point that scare customers away. So I'm going to jump in there. And, you know, I know we always make I always make fun of you because the restaurant you know examples, you love talking about that. But it's important. And a lot of people listening to this are either in restaurants, they're in retail. They're, it's very similar types of businesses. So let me let me ask you this, because there's there's another strategy I'm seeing out there a lot, and it has to do with shrinkflation. Are you familiar with that term, shrinkflation, and, and what that is? I've not heard of that. So shrinkflation is selling a little less of something, but for the same price. So um, if you look at some of the big brands that are out there, uh, you know, you will see brands that people that's up uh, use like it's well-known public information. You can look this up. You know, if you buy a bag of Doritos now, it used to be 9.75 ounces for a bag of Doritos. Now it's 9.25 ounces but for the same price. And I recently reported on how Domino's, they do chicken wings. Now they're including like one or two less chicken wings in a takeout box, but for the same price. Now, I don't know who's getting chicken wings at Domino's because I thought it's like a pizza chain, but apparently people do get chicken wings from there. So it, it's a matter of selling something, um, keeping the price, because it's all about margin, but just selling a little less of something. And this gets back to your restaurant example. You must see that in the places that you, you know, your friends and the places that you might be involved with in the restaurant industry where um, restaurants are, you know, if they're going to serve a dish, spaghetti and meatballs, and they used to have three meatballs in the dish, you know, there are restaurants that will say, well, we're, we're going to keep the price the same, but there will only be two meatballs in the dish because they can maintain their margins on that. Does that, you know, do you see that? And does that, does that make sense? I think you see it sometimes. I, I, I do think there's something to be said about, I guess, shrinkflation or kind of like product optimization, right? So right. if you have a high waste item, then you can cut down the waste. It's probably not going to impact a customer. I think the, the risk there is if someone's expected now something for a long time, which kind of goes into how do you communicate price or product changes overall, right? So especially if you're in a more bespoke model, like you're recommending, yep. how do you talk to people about what's changing and why? Because I think it's a common sense conversation to be able to have, like if it costs more to make, it costs more to sell. Right. Um, but that's also a tough conversation to have. It is. And it's, you know, it's funny they say that because it's, it's not immoral and it's not unethical because I can give you 10 big name brands that are doing it and it's just what people are doing, but you got to be prepared to explain yourself because people find out about it. They, people write about it or they call you out on it. Um, you have to be able to explain, well, this is why there's one less meatball and your spaghetti and meatballs, but we're keeping the price the same. So the communication part is important. And by the way, you bring up another piece of information. Well, again, we're talking about strategizing with prices. And, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about data that we didn't, that our parents and grandparents didn't have in the late 70s and you know, early 80s. 
another thing that they didn't have is they didn't have um they didn't have Outlook or Gmail or Salesforce or these communication and CRM type systems. So, you know, a lot of my clients, my best ones are communicating price increases. I mean, they're not just blasting out emails to a database. They are segmenting it down and they are staying in close touch with their customers and they're doing their very best to communicate price increases as far in advance as they can because we're all operating in an inflationary environment. So we get it. The price are going up, but please tell me, give me some advance warnings so that I can run my business and my best clients are, they're, they're saying like, we're going to, there's going to be a price increase on this specific product and, you know, three months from now. And we want to make sure that you're aware of that. That's in addition to communicating lead times and order status and just people want that. So your point about communicating is super important. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because to your point on like customer segmentation and if there's high value customers, you can give people an option to become a high value customer. Yes. So if you think of it like a sale or a savings example, if if you're going to purchase X, Y, or Z or pay in a certain way, and if you want to do that in the next 30, 60, 90 days, then there's no net change and maybe a net benefit to you. Right. It kind of gives people options. And I think it becomes more of a conversation versus like, Hey, I know you just submitted an order and then in your car, it's five bucks more and footnote, you know, sorry. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, it's no different than when you're flying and you know, your flight's delayed and you just want to hear, you know, okay, when is, you know, what's, when's my flight going to arrive? Like people just want that information and the more in advance that you can give them, the better, you know? So, okay. So, so segmenting your price increases, like really targeting them by leveraging your data, um, leveraging your communication systems is big. Shrinkflation was another thing that I'm, I'm just, I'm like reporting to you. I'm like, this is what I'm seeing my clients, my community doing. Um, I'm also starting to see um, a lot of companies. I wrote about this for um, small biz ahead. I'm not quite sure if it's published yet, but it, imminently about cutting um, product lines. There are some studies that I, that I looked into that showed that like the typical small business, 25% of their products generate 90% of their profits. When you're in an inflationary environment and every dollar counts, people are taking a step back and saying, do we really need to be selling all these products? You know, and what can we cut back? And I'm seeing a lot of my clients discontinue product lines or outsource it to somebody else or get partner with somebody to do it um, and just focus on those product lines that have the strongest margins that are really making you, you know, money. And that's another sort of tactic, you know, in an inflationary period that I'm seeing people do. Yeah. I think we saw a lot of that kind of in the beginning of COVID too. So when you think about some of the shutdown orders um, after the onset of the pandemic and people weren't really sure, or they, they were not as consistently open. We heard a lot of that from guests on the show about, kind of simplifying products, looking for common ingredients or, or um, you know, materials, trying to kind of get the scale benefit of ordering, but also not have a whole bunch of things that might be wasted because they're used one or two times. Correct. So I think that's a good, just kind of best practice lesson that that's kind of a silver lining of maybe every couple months go through and say, like, if I have this one ingredient for a recipe or this one fabric, but I can do everything else and kind of the thing that I make and it doesn't inherently break it, Yep. you know, maybe that's not something you need. A hundred percent, because necessity is the mother of invention, you know, and you, you figure these things out when you're, you're pushed to do it. I think the one, the one warning I heard from some people that, uh, like consultants that advise on cutting product lines is, um, be careful before you cut, make sure that some of your largest customers don't also buy those products, you know, <laughs> like, True. You True. know? <laughs> so you might have this one product that like, it's not really doing a whole lot, but it's like your biggest customer, like it's, they need that. So don't cut it. But it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a tactic to be used. So, so here's something else in inflationary times. Um, 
uh, my best clients are buying, you know, they're where they can. I mean, they're not they're not buying cryptocurrency. <laughs> they're buying stuff that they know. So, you know, if you're in the food business, you know food. And if you're in the selling, you know, automotive parts, you know automotive parts. You know, they're not they're not taking risks that way, but they are they're storing in they're building up inventories where they can and where they're able because if we know that inflation is going to continue and it will continue throughout 2023, it's going to take a while before, you know, it gets down to more normalized levels. So if you know prices are going to go up 7, 8% next year, buy now when you can because, you know, that's, you know, you buy low, sell high. So I'm seeing a lot of clients do that as well. And again, easier said than done. You need the financing to do it. You need space, you know, but um, they're doubling down on their inventories so that they can, um, you know, they, they can sort of hedge against increased prices. I think that's interesting, too, because I think as you're thinking about things to invest in, like service becomes a another one. Yeah. Because when the downstream impact is is pretty broad. And I think when people have financial stressors, it triggers other life stressors, which triggers short patience, yeah. which means I don't want to wait on hold. And I don't want to deal with this at the end of the year when everything's taking longer to to get done and get to where we need it, right? So I think when it comes to cost cutting, you know, we talk a lot. Should should you look at staff? Do you look at mm. you know? Can you take on more yourself? Can you outsource it? Can you? I'm air quoting here, kind of simplify <laughs> it by by maybe you know using some kind of technology. And I do think kind of back to the notion of communication right now that human interaction and having someone who can really address a concern is probably something that stands out well beyond the crowd, right? So I think if you're in a situation where you kind of have to put more of a demand on your customers, whether from a financial commitment or, or, or an effort commitment or whatever it is that's kind of, you know, being impacted by kind of the, the new reality and the new price of what yep. it costs to do things, like I wouldn't shy away from service and I, I might actually double down on it because that might be the difference between you and the same business across the street. You know, you and you bring up a really good point. I mean, as you know, there's all the news around about it being like a slowing economy and, you know, and yet meanwhile, at the same time, like unemployment is historically low, you know, and, you know, I don't have any clients that are that are cutting people, you know, I mean, particularly small and midsize clients. It's kind of the opposite. I mean, there's like 10 million unfilled jobs. They're they're looking for good talent to fill those needs for service. Like they get, you know, in the end, you have a customer you want to keep them, and we need to be providing the best service possible. And you can have as much artificial intelligence and technologies as you want, but in the end, it comes down to good people that are serving your customers. You know, and I I have you know I have clients that like are saying we're you know we're, we see that person that instead of buying up you know you know inventory. We're going to invest in that person because that will have a huge impact on the services that we can provide. And that's a really important thing to do in inflationary times. I agree. And I think, you know, good service sells, right? So I think that someone who really knows your product, someone who really knows your business, your customer base, they can figure out a way to kind of add more value to to those customers. So I, I, I do I don't think it can be understated or overstated. I can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it makes you're you're absolutely right. And and it is a um you know, even as we're seeing like layoffs happening in some industries and you know, you know, some some bigger corporations cutting back, I think it's an opportunity for a lot of small businesses if they can afford it to to you know, bring on that person that could make a huge difference in their business. One thing the other thing I see out there is that although the, you know depending on the industry you're in, you know, things could be you know slowing down a little bit. There is inflation out there, but most of the clients that I deal with, they I don't know, maybe because they've been running businesses for a long time, they know it's cyclical. They're looking beyond 2023, you know? So if they find that right person, they're they're gonna make that investment in that person because they're like, when this is behind us and we're growing 
you know, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, positioning ourselves to profit in the future. So you don't want to cut back on, on any of that stuff. So when you think too kind of about your comments on, on next year and the expected rate, like where, where would someone go who's not a finance expert to kind of get an outlook on maybe their industry, their product line, the, the things that they expect to great spend question. money on to kind of start planning on like how big of an impact this might have? That is a great question. And I will, I, I, and I have a specific answer for that because first of all, ignore what you read in the media and ignore what I write. It's a bunch of baloney anyway. So, uh, you know, when people report on the, like the consumer price index, the rate, ignore that because that's a lagging indicator. You want to focus on the producer price index, okay? Because that is the leading indicator. That is what it's costing to make products now that are going to come onto the market in the next three, four months, right? So the producer price index, by the way, guys, it's not great. It's still higher than the rate of inflation. It's going to take a while to work this out. But my advice is you go to the St. Louis Federal Reserve's website. It's called FRED, like Fred Flintstone for all of you. I'm dating myself here, but uh, it's the St. Louis Federal Reserve FRED system. It's a it's a it's their they, it's a database system that's really easy to use that will give you metrics on anything that you can imagine. Okay, when you get there, do a search for the prices of the products that you are purchasing in your company. So if you're in the construction business, look up the price of plywood, of concrete, of, um, of uh, you know, building materials, of gypsum, right? If you're in the food business, you can look up the price going all the way back to fertilizer and feeds in the ag industry, but food itself of like beer and, you know, manufactured food products and, you know, wholesale prices of food. You can get all that on this Fred website. And when you go, it will, t- it, will, it will show you a history of the prices up to this most recent month. And so therefore, you'll be able to see what the trend is. So again, if you're in the construction business, you can see you know, where the trending of price, where it's going, and whether it's plateauing out or if it's starting to head on its way down. And if you look up three or four of the core materials that you use to run your business and you do it from that Federal Reserve website, you'll be able to get a fairly good idea of where those costs are heading or whether or not they've hit their peak or not. And that'll help you plan out more. So a specific answer to that question. It's a hugely helpful site. Awesome. No, I think that's super helpful because I think then you kind of know, especially if you're in like a wholesale chain, right? Yep. Are you expecting prices to go up there? Do you have local resources where maybe you can augment where you order some things and actually get kind of the next level down so you can delay your impact a little 100%, bit? 100%. And what people don't realize about the producer price index is it's made up of like a thousand different components. Um, so when I go to speak to like a manufacturing group or to, again, a group in the construction industry or whatever. Before I go there, because I want to talk about inflation, I will go and I will look up like 10 core components for that industry that I know they're using. Like if they make semiconductors or they make you know, you know, machinery, I look up and I see what are the parts of that machinery. And then I'm like, okay, where are the prices going for these parts? You know, And obviously you can't predict the future, but you can look at the trends and where it's going. And that way I can share with them and saying, hey, look, in this industry, I'm seeing your prices have plateaued for most of these core parts or they're actually starting to head down a little bit. So, you know, no guarantees, but that's the direction that you're generally going that should help you plan out and plan out your business that much better. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's a, a good Nothing about pricing. On, yeah. yeah. I'm in the mood for some, I don't know, some chicken wings from Domino's. I don't know about you, but you know, it just puts me in a, <laughs> some I Doritos. Domino's. Yeah, I have not. Actually, my kids swear by it. They love it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, thank you, Gene, for joining us today. You can catch this on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts and check us out at sba.thehartford.com. 
we'll catch you on the next one. See you soon.